guys. <laughs> guys. Guys, Emily, do you want to explain what happened? Okay. <laughs> so. My boss quit. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Wait, wait. You're going, you're going back to the started start. started doing her job and my job. <laughs> <laughs> because our organization sucks with resource management. Absolutely. And then we went to Ren Fair, but it was really hot and like it just it there was drama and it wasn't a good time. <laughs> and that was supposed to be like a downtime for me and it wasn't. And then I came back and everything was still on fire at work. And then And then and then <laughs> and now <laughs> we set to record. Taylor graciously was patient with me because my life is on fucking fire. Of course. And I found a great story, and I put a lot of work into it's it. It's a great story. And I had 10 pages of notes <laughs> with facts. Mixcraft. Mixcraft. Fucking Mixcraft. Which, you know what I blame? Mixcraft 9. Mixcraft 9. My best friend Mixcraft 7 would never do this to us. <laughs> but this bitch, Mixcraft 9, took my audio... And decided it was not good. And I hit stop after we did a fun saxophone noise. Incredible. And it just immediately started recording again and it made my other audio go away. It literally disappeared it. We've never had that happen before. We've never seen that happen before. And right now we're waiting on a temporary file to sync so we can see if it has the audio. I am hoping... That all was not lost because I will cry. Here's my thought. I will either get drunk or I will cry or I will get drunk and And then then cry. cry. Yeah. And then I will just go sit out on the balcony wrapped in a blanket waiting for the spiders to take me. I think that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. They might, Aragog might show up and take you away. Faster. Um, That's great. Yeah. I think, here's what we do. Either the listener already knows what's what's happened because your story was first. So if they have heard your story, the temporary file worked. Right. If they have not, if this is the opening to the podcast, hi, we're the uh-oh feeling, by the fuck. way. <laughs> fuck everything. Oh, fuck. I'm going to kill everyone and then myself. <laughs> if this is the opening, here's what we're going to do. Emily has already decided. We're going to wait for that guy to sink. We've left yeah. it alone. We haven't saved the I thing. I haven't touched anything else. I literally just opened up a new Mixcraft window. Yes. The other one is not closed. We are letting it sit. Yep. If it sinks while I do the story. Then we then we're saved and it's fine. right. If it doesn't, we're going to do an alcohol laden ten minute version of Emily's story at the end. <laughs> My forty five minute ten page of notes story. It deserves so much more than into that. Into ten minutes of pure chaos. And I haven't. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it will be chaotic. It needs to be chaotic. I need it because we need to keep the energy somehow on a story. I will we've probably done. stand up and do it. I need that from you and for you. <laughs> All right, for now, let's forget all our troubles, forget all our worries, and I'll tell you a story for a little bit, and you just go ahead and drink. Hey, would you like to do a shot of apple pie? Yeah. In case the listener is hearing this first, we've been drinking homemade apple pie. Oh, my God. And a mixed drink. <laughs> I can't believe Yeah. <laughs> and I just did a shot of tequila. Yes. Emily was I like, just, just hand me that bottle. bottle. <laughs> it was waiting there for it, this specific time. So. Well. We should something. have been waiting for a happier occasion. <sighs> Fucking apple pie is delicious as always. Okay. Let me take you away from this place, this terrible yeah. place that we've put ourselves in. Yeah. And let me tell you a story. Okay. 
It is May 3rd, 1946. Oh, about a hundo years after yours. Hmm. It's the town of Texarkana. Oh, which no. Texarkana is oh. um, on the border, hilariously, between Texas and Arkansas. That's why it's called that. Texarkana. We're really into naming stuff here in Texarkana. Yeah. <laughs> we know what we're doing. So, Katie and Virgil Starks. Um, they are both 37. Virgil's a great name. Um, they're settling in for the night. They're a married couple. They've been married since they were 22 years old. So it's been a bit. And they've lived in the same house on this 500-acre farm. Wow, this 500 time. acres. That's pretty lots big. Lots of space for murderers. Everything's bigger in Texas. Mm. And also, yeah, Emily, lots of space for murderers. Yeah. <laughs> Out That's in the middle of the... city girl fear. Mm-hmm. When I was, like, driving a friend home, and she lived, like, in the middle of nowhere, and I locked the doors. Mm. And she was like, why the fuck did you just do that? And I'm this like, is where it's gonna happen. there are murderers in the trees. I just s- thousands of them hiding in these, like, acres <laughs> upon acres of nothing. I agree. <laughs> there's um, there's the, the, the old cracked after hours that they talk about, like, the idea that, like, um, especially British, but, like, European um, frightening stories, scary stories told in the dark are about cities and industrialization because yeah. that is where their fears come from and all the bad stuff that happened in their history happens there um whereas we often tell our scary stories about open empty spaces that are miles wide and there's no one that can hear you scream yeah because we have a lot of space and that's where a lot of our horrors have happened where no one is looking yeah so i think that that's valid is what i'm saying yeah <laughs> I also read too many urban legends as a child, and I still think about the man laying under the bed licking the girl's hand, oh. and she thought it was her dog. I, I've actually okay, <laughs> I'm I'm about to out myself as like even more of a nerd, but I know that story uh-huh. from the Shoebox Project, which is um an, a very old Harry Potter fan fiction from before she was a turf, um but it was like a serious Remus ship. It was about the Marauders and like. They spend a night in the Shrieking Shack and they tell that story. And that story scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Just <laughs> three yeah. spaces removed from it. Still it's scary. Fucked up. Yeah, I love that story. Anyway, let's let's go on with Katie and Virgil. Okay. Virgil's a farmer and he's a welder and his back had started to bother him in the yeah, last couple years. Yeah, I would hope he's a farmer. He's got 500 acres. Yeah. So um, before Katie gets ready for bed, she gets him his uh, like heating pad to put in his, his favorite Aww. chair. He's going to sit in his chair and listen to the radio for a while. And then she tells him goodnight and goes to lay down. And Katie, while falling asleep, she can hear the radio in the sitting room. But she can also hear something else outside. And she she can't hear it well enough. So she asks Virgil to turn down the radio a bit so she can hear it. And it is then, as Virgil stands to walk to the radio, that Katie hears gla- the sound of broken glass. Ah! And then she runs out of bed into the sitting room. And there... She sees her husband standing on the rug with his back to the window and the window pane has cracks in it and a hole and her husband Virgil's face is covered in blood. And as she watches, Virgil collapses back into his chair and it isn't until Katie runs to him that she realizes he has been shot through the back of the head and that he is already dead. Oh, shit. I know. Tragedy. We're going to leave that where it lies for a second. Yep, we're going to do the background now. Suck it. (laughs) This is spooky. It's a spooky boy. My back is to the window. Mm, Girl, I didn't even think of that. (laughs) But you know what? I welcome the sweet release of death right now. Absolutely. You know what? That's fine. If you died right now, what an app, honestly. Because literally it's only 15 minutes. Yeah, and then I don't have to go to work on Monday. Yeah. 
Okay, a background on what's happening here. Okay. What's happening here, Emily? Murder. Uh, murder, generally. Murder most foul. Mm. A little over two months before this, on February 22nd, 1946, Jimmy Hollis and Mary Jean Larry, I cannot even tell you the names. It's 1946, so everybody's name is that. It sounds like 1946. Everyone is from an Archie comic, which yes. is what my husband said, and he is right. Yes, he is right. <laughs> yes. Jimmy Hollis and Mary Jean Larry are driving back from the movie theater. They were out on a date, and they decide to pull over on the side of a deserted road and, you know, mm. fuck. I mean, at least they're going to make out. They might fuck. fuck. Maybe there's some heavy petting. Okay. Maybe they Soft fuck. fuck. Soft fucking. Fingering. Yeah. <laughs> 40s fuck. 40s fucking. In a car. Not yeah. very, mm, not very comfortable. Spacious. Probably more Cars spacious than big, now. Yeah. So true. They might even have one of those bench seats. Not even hard to get oh to each other. Oh my God. That's just hot. Anyway, it's 10 minutes into their little makeout sesh. Mm-hmm. And the man wow, walks Uh-oh. out of the darkness Uh-oh. and approaches the car. Ugh. To me, that's like, that's man, car, hook, hand, car, door. Yeah. Like, that's... Man, that's hand, worth... hook, hand, car, door. Yes. <laughs> that's the other scary story I think about all the time. Yes. Um, There's a survivor of that. <laughs> I mean, there is, technically. That's Maybe that's, that's my story. Halloween story. Hell yeah. Man, hook, car, hand, yeah. door. <laughs> yeah. I'll never do that in the right yeah. order. Okay. Anyway, so this is Mary Jean. Yes. Says, he wore a white mask over his head. He pointed a pistol at us. He came up on the driver's side of the car and he said... I don't want to kill you, fella, so do what I say. So he forces the teens out of the car. He makes Jimmy take off his pants, weirdly, before immediately hitting him so hard over the head he cracks his skull. Fucking Christ. Yeah, it's not good. The sound, apparently, of him hitting him, like, like that hard was so loud that Mary Jean thought she just shot Jimmy. Yeah. Like, it was just a huge crack in the night. So then the masked man, he tries to rob and assault Mary while Jimmy is down. Eventually, he hits her with a baseball bat when she tries to run away. And Jimmy, left for dead on the road, miraculously regains consciousness. His skull is cracked open. And he um, goes to find a car that is driving nearby. So he flags down the car. And it is believed that the headlights of that car is what scared the assailant away. So he leaves them both alive. Jimmy and Mary Jean survive. Um, they are taken to the hospital. Jimmy takes literally like twelve weeks to recover because his skull was open. Yeah, he ain't he didn't do great, but no, they both made a full recovery. They were young. Oh my god, they're doing okay. Oh my god. Now, due to the nature of like Texarkana and what it was like, nobody really gave a shit that this happened. It was no. just kind of a violent on Buzzfeed Unsolved. They call it rowdy. <laughs> it's a rowdy town. <laughs> there is a Buzzfeed Unsolved about this. It is where I heard this, but they really brushed over my survivors story so i wanted yeah, to yeah i'm not surprised it. right like that's i mean they were talking about the crimes in as a right. whole so either way this was viewed as a robbery gone wrong no bullshit yeah nobody really cares yeah um one month later march 23rd richard griffin and polly ann moore still archie comic characters right this is um there are three women involved here who have two names <laughs> just um, just notice we've got we've got a lot of the the Pollyanns and the Mary Jeans of it all. Yeah. So um, those guys they're driving home after having dinner at Richard's sister's house at 10 p.m. Um, they too decide to pull over for a little something something. Yeah. They're actually they're on a 
road known to be a lover's lane, mm. which I assume is just like a road that doesn't have a lot of traffic and is not well lit. Is there a lake? Not for this one, although okay. there's a separate lover's lane that is near a body of water in a park. Yes. That is for the next one. Um, but I assume, li- really, any lover's lane could just be one that doesn't have a lot of streetlights. Right. <laughs> Dark, out of the way. Right. Mm. Everything's out of the way in Texas. So, the next day, Richard and Pollyann are found dead in that vehicle. Oh, no. They were shot. Richard was likely shot while he was still in the driver's seat, while Polly Ann was found in the back. It's believed, yeah, Yeah. it's believed sadly that she was actually killed outside the car on a blanket, and then wrapped up and placed in the car afterward. No, I know. And these, I mean, these are teenagers. This sucks. Um, these two attacks are not seen as related because, I mean, the the mo is different. That two of them are shot, whereas the others were attacked by a baseball bat. Mm. But. It's still two young people on a lover's lane, so interesting. Still, the town of Texarkana doesn't take much notice. Shocker. Yeah. Until two weeks later when a third attack occurs. And it's basically hard at this point to ignore the similarities. This time, the victims are Paul Martin and Betty Jo Booker. Two names. Two names. (laughs) Our women have two names here in Texarkana. Just like our town has two names. <laughs> it's Tex and it's Arkansas. <laughs> it's Texas and it's Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas. It's my, one of my favorite lines. Yeah. America. <laughs> why, why is this Kansas? But this is not Arkansas. Arkansas. America, explain. <laughs> we can't. Right. We She's can't right. explain. <laughs> I had never even thought of that one. Right. So Paul and Betty had attended a concert at the VFW. Actually, Betty Jo was playing the saxophone <gasps> in that concert. Holy shit. Oh, that will or will not make any sense to our listeners. <laughs> Life is so hard right now. Uh. So the two were childhood friends, and they later left the concert to go and, like, have a talk and catch up. I don't sure. know if there was any making out or if they were legitimately just friends going to show. They parked on a road, though. Another lover's lane. This time within Spring Lake Park. The next morning, Paul's body would be found in a grassy field near his car. He had been shot four times. Betty Jo was found over a mile away in the woods, having, awfully, been raped and robbed before she too was shot and killed. They, like Richard and Polly Ann before them, had been shot, shot with a Colt thirty-two caliber pistol. So... Now we've got similarities in the MO. We've got the same weapon used, at least the same type. And we've got, like, the same type of people being attacked. Yeah. So at this point, the police and the public are starting to finally be like, oh. Oh, no. Maybe we've got a, a guy on our hands. They Ruh, did not. raggy. Ruh, ruh, raggy. They didn't have the term serial killer. If you recall, that's like the 70s when we coined that term. So they were like, he's a sex pest. <laughs> like, like, they just had like so many theories about this guy. But Wait, no I'm one... sorry, a sex pest? He was a, they said he was like a sexual sadist. They said he was like a little perv. <laughs> like they had so many bullshit things to say about this guy. And it was mostly because he was catching people in the act in a way. Um, but they, they just had no way of building a profile at this time. So they're just talking out of their asses, basically. Now, the town response to this is, like, they actually establish their own 9 p.m. curfew. Nobody asks them to. 
but they do it themselves. And the teenagers even are so afraid that they happily listen to it. Nobody's breaking this curfew because they're going to be next. Businesses begin to close earlier in the day. Families whose husbands are away on like business trips will check themselves into a local hotel rather than stay at home. Good. Waiting to be attacked. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably pretty smart, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, and also by this point, the Texarkana Gazette has dubbed this person the Phantom Killer, <laughs> which I think they make a good point in the episode on BuzzFeed Unsolved that uh, stop naming serial killers because yep. it makes them feel nice inside. Yeah. And we should not be giving it them It literally them gives them the satisfaction that they're going for of yes. wanting the notoriety yes. and wanting to be recognized for their work and the terror that they're causing. Exactly. And the Phantom Killer sounds cool and yeah. he doesn't deserve to no. feel cool. Leave them nameless pieces of shit mm-hmm. until they're caught or call and him then, the doo-doo baby killer right. or something lame like make him feel lame make them feel stupid yes <laughs> and then emasculated because they're mostly men of course they are this is and, a man i, I oh, don't yeah. even care no, this like is this is a man <laughs> probably white mm, probably <laughs> and you know no they don't get to feel nice and i'd love to see society change the way that it talks about serial killers to focus on the victims yeah we don't need another fucking Jeffrey Dahmer documentary or video Netflix. We really don't. Like, it's fine if we just stop talking about these pieces of shit. They're fascinating. I get it. But we've got enough it, media like, on stop. them. Yep. So, Anyways. this guy's new name, this unknown assailant's new name is the Phantom it's Killer. It's the Baby Doodoo Killer. Baby Doodoo Killer. Doodoo Baby Sad Boy Killer. <laughs> Doodoo Baby Hand Car Hand. <laughs> Book door. Book door <laughs> Killer. <laughs> The local police uh, at this point were inundated with calls of people just like being like, there's a prowler outside if they heard fucking anything. Like, because of course, you go a little crazy. You get hyper aware and like, you just, the panic. A branch rustles the window outside your house and you're like, (gasps) oh my God, it's the phantom killer. My God. Yeah. Within three days of the last attack, the police had investigated over 100 calls that led fucking nowhere. Like, it was not helpful. (laughs) Um, Grady Doles was a resident of Texarkana, and he was 18 at the time of the murders. And he describes it like this. Uh, People were locking their doors, tying chains to their handles, and they'd put cans on their doors so that it would rattle when someone opened it. Good. I mean, we're talking water bucket over the door shit yeah. home alone shit yeah. <laughs> smart though yeah he says Don't my mother your home can alert system <laughs> everybody get your can full of nuts that you yeah. leave on top of your door that rattles when someone beans opens it. don't rattle no there's that tiktok of like the two red beans in a <laughs> eggshell shaker <laughs> you need a can full of nuts and bolts yes um he says, my mother was as bad as everyone else. She had cans tied to every door. Yes. <laughs> Good for her. Good. My grandma said, if the killer's going to come in, they're going to come in. And she showed me her thirty-eight revolver. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked her if she could use it. And she said, dang right I can. It's Texas. <laughs> of course that she is, can. That is the thing. And that is something that I ascribe to. We were like talking about someone <laughs> like trying to get their carry, like concealed carry permit. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer if you're going to have a gun in the house, everyone in the house needs to know how to use it, including the kids. Like, they need to go to gun safety. They need to know how yes. to fucking use so it. So that they know how not to use it, yep. if anything. But like, then you've got grandma mm-hmm. with a 38. But it's fucking tight. Te- she probably invented the 38 revolver. Probably. <laughs> Honestly, probably. She's, her last and name is Colt. And then some man took 
the fucking patent for it. <laughs> of course. And ran and left her destitute alone in a farmhouse with her 38, her prototype. <laughs> yeah. This is this is the association <laughs> against Nana. Yes. yes, this is the association <laughs> against Nana. Which, if the other story makes it in, will make sense. If not, That's... stay tuned for the fucking power hour. I will make it yeah. make sense. We have to stop calling. I'm going to talk so fucking bad. The power 10. The power 10. We have to stop calling back to a thing that may or may not have <laughs> anyway, we were both there. We were both there, and if that's the what matters. tree fell in the woods, did the recording actually save? <laughs> I don't know. That's a new type of philosophy that I haven't read about. <laughs> so, we're back. We're back with we're back. Katie Starks and yeah. her dead husband, uh-huh. who was just shot in the back of the head. Poor baby. Virgil. Love no. him. Sorry, bud. 37 years old, these people are. Um, this. So, this was the atmosphere of the town. Everybody was this afraid on May 3rd when Katie Starks runs into the sitting room to find her husband dead. Yeah. Katie. Horrifying. I know. Awful. Katie runs to the telephone mm-hmm. and she tries to call the police. The phone rings twice when Katie is shot. Yeah. I was going to say, get away from the windows. Yeah. I'm not sure she like registered yeah. all of that. Yes. But clearly she's still in the line of sight. So she is shot twice. Two separate bullets are fired, and they both hit Katie's face. Ah! So this is why I told this story, because I was like, you guys said what? And then you passed over it? The first shot passes through her right cheek and shatters several of her teeth before passing through and exiting behind her left ear. Needy but survivable. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. The second one encounters her jaw first, shatters it. Oh, and this is the 40s. Yeah. And then... The bullet gets lodged under her tongue. Okay. So it stays there. It's, okay. It stopped. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's cool that it didn't shatter the other side of her jaw. Right. It's I guess. horrifying. But there's literally, it's just sitting there under her tongue. And oh. it's not like you can just get that out. <laughs> there's no time anyway. But so basically by this point, she can't speak if somebody were to pick up. Right. But this, just the, the shock and the pain of this knocks her to her feet. And she realizes she has to get out of this room because she could be shot again at any moment. So she drags herself. Blood is pouring out of yeah. her face. Stupid. Face wounds. Yeah. Face wounds. <laughs> yeah. You got a lot of blood vessels in your face. Um, yeah. So she's dragging herself through the room toward the back of the house or the kitchen and the living room because the living and the sitting room are separate. Yes. They keep They keep a gun in the living room. Okay. And she's headed toward that. Good. Unfortunately, the the blood from Katie's wounds must have splattered into her eyes. She can barely see. Uh, so she's crawling around, looking for the next handhold to sort of drag herself along. And it isn't long until she hears a strange rustling noise at the back of the house. Uh, and she realizes the killer must have run around in the back. And now he is trying to rip the screen off the kitchen window and climb inside. Absolutely not. No, thank you, sir. No. No, I actually reject it. So she knows, obviously, in your lizard brain even, like, that, like, oh, this is how you die. Like, if the killer gets in and finds her. Right. Blinded. Yeah. (laughs) Losing blood. Blinded and crawling. He's not just going to leave her to die on her own. He's going to, yeah. He's absolutely going to shoot and kill her. It's not going to be hard. No. So Katie has a choice. She thinks, okay, I can stay and look for the gun. One thing she considered was writing a note for her relatives to find about what happened. And then she was like, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's very silly. Because, like, uh, he's at the back door. Right. You're going to get 
if you could find a pencil yeah. or a pen. Exactly. And, and a paper. piece of paper. With and then the write, eyes that you can't see out of. And then write the entire thing. Right. And then and hope then he the doesn't find family. it. dearest family. Right. And then just tell him to please hold. Yeah. Hold on for a second while I, I tell everyone what happened. I am writing a letter to my family. Please let me describe your facial features. Yes. <laughs> hold still. Please step into the light. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to do a light slit. Are like, those blue eyes, sketch. darling? <laughs> oh, the stubble. <laughs> you look lovely. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. She, she writes that one off pretty quick. And, and then she thinks, okay, my other choice is to run towards the front of the house again sure. and get there before him and run out the door and hope that she can find help before the killer can get to her. <sighs> and she chooses that option. So she forces herself to her feet and stumbles toward the front door, leaving what the police would later describe as a virtual river of blood behind yeah. her. It's just pouring oh, out of her. Oh, God. She tumbles out into the night and then she runs across the street to where her sister and brother-in-law live because it's, you know, yeah. it's old timey. Everybody be living in the yeah, same spot. Yeah, you get a plot of land from the grandparents. You split it up exactly. between the children. Yeah. If you smart. Yeah. So she tumbled out of the sitting room and stumbled to her brother-in-law's house. Yeah. <laughs> poured herself a cup of ambition. Yes. <laughs> yawned and stretched and fought to stay alive. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Pretty fucking good. Um, they're not home. So ah, that one doesn't fuckers. work. I know. Break um, in. So she she just ends up running to the next door neighbor. Okay. Um, there, his name is A. V. Pratter. People just go by initials at this yeah. point. Um, but Pratter is still awake, oh, thankfully, because it's like actually getting up there where people would be asleep. <gasps> and when he sees Katie, uh, she manages with even with her shattered jaw and a bullet in her tongue, she says Virgil's dead, and then she collapses. Uh-huh. And this being Texas in 1946, Pratter takes his gun uh, and he fires it into the air. And that works. Because <laughs> a man, a neighbor comes running as if you would run toward gunshots. <laughs> but apparently one one singular bullet is enough to pe- make people be like, I got to get over there. But Pratter two, needs help. <laughs> three shots were fired at their house doesn't it make no s- I, I don't know how far she had to go to get this to this neighbor if he was well, off if they've the got land 500 acres hold on i'm assuming her house is near the road even if the 500 right. acres is behind her she runs next door she runs across the street and then next door who knows how far down next door is could be a ways yeah no I really and i don't. would guess their property is probably like it's always weird shapes. Mm-hmm. So their house is probably at like the front of the properties near the road. Yeah. And then the acreage is like behind them exactly. and spread out. Exactly. So she probably had to run like probably still like a couple football fields. She probably had a ways to run. But like at least the, maybe Pratter's house is close enough to other people that they didn't hear the gunshots at her house. But they did hear the gunshot at his. Who knows? We can't say. Either I'm way. sure there's like science behind like how far gunshots travel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like, also depends the on the sound. kind of gun. Yeah. Yeah. And the number of trees absorbing. Oh, <laughs> there's a lot. Of, there's a lot. Either way, it does call one neighbor, and that neighbor helps Prater get Katie into his car. At this point, Prater's wife and baby, I assume not wanting to be left alone during yeah. the attack, uh, get in the car too. And they're like, we'll yeah. go, we'll like, go. Nope, we're all going. <laughs> we're, we're all, all going, going to thank the hospital. You. Everybody's <laughs> going to the hospital. Thank you. You're so, not leaving us alone here. Yeah. This you is just my... wasted one bullet. <laughs> yeah, for real, right? Like I thought you were going to say that he went back to their house oh, with the gun. No, I wish. And was just like, no, I'll fucking take care of this Texas style. I truly wish that he had just chosen to execute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, 
he instead though katie clearly is in immediate attention yes. i think maybe if she had been more stable that could have been the case right. but no she swing needed by her house yeah but she needed to go to the hospital yeah. right then i mean yeah face wounds are no joke no so this is fun this is one of my favorite uh b- tidbits is that on the way she's not she crazily doesn't go into shock like they can do surgery on her almost immediately because they are not saving her life from shock when she gets to the hospital but before that they're in the car um and she's delirious enough probably from loss of blood that when they pull up to the hospital she uh tries to pay pratter like he is a cab driver by (laughs) no by taking one of the teeth out of her mouth that has the gold filling on it she takes the tooth out and hands it to him because it has gold in it (laughs) i would never forget that if i were the neighbor i'd be like Bro, a lady ripped a tooth out her own face and gave it to okay, me. But like, here's the gross thing. I bet it was just loose. Like, probably. Probably just like her swimming around entire, in there. entire, like, half of her mouth is probably just shattered. The right side of her face has got to be full of just nothing but shrapnel yeah. at that point. So, yes, probably she just pulled it out and found, oh, yeah, that's the one with the gold. Here you go. Yeah, this is worth something. <laughs> gotta be. Take it to the pawn shop. Take it and run. <laughs> Prada, you're so nice of me. You're so nice of me to hospital. So, I gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, you do need to go, ma'am. Katie, please. Dear God, please. <laughs> so the doctors do determine that, you know, outside of needing a shitload of blood, she needs a lot. Um, Katie's life is not in mortal danger. She's wow. doing okay. Nuts. Wow. Nuts. So she goes into surgery. Not what I thought you were going to say. I know. I know. And to be honest, like, I will, I'll be real here. After this point, I don't know a lot of what happens to Katie. I know that she lives, obviously. Yeah. I don't know how her facial reconstruction goes. I hope it's okay. I can tell you, and I will mention later, that she does remarry, so she's probably doing okay. Okay. So that's nice. Um, I hope he was nice. Right. In the meantime, though, the police show up at the Stark household, and, like, yeah. by this point, everyone's so on high alert that it's, like, 30 cops <laughs> show oh, up. Jesus. Like, they're trying to catch this fucker. Well, problem with that. I mean, that's... Like, he, like, that one shot, maybe it was heard by him. Maybe he was chasing her and was like, hmm... As soon as I, if I, no. even if he was stuck crawling in through the window, as soon as he realized she's not in the house anymore, I'd get the fuck out. Yeah. She just, she just ran away. She's yeah. going to identify you if she, yeah. Yeah. So immediately they set up roadblocks near the house, which is a good idea, but I wonder if it wasn't too late. It depends on how fast they could get there. Right. So they're hoping though that the killer hasn't gotten too far away yet and they can catch him. The roadblocks are used, uh, are, that are used are able to detain or like they stop 12 people and then they detain those people and question them just to be like, look, you're in, the, you're you, in a sus yeah. area, but yeah. most of the people are immediately released. Okay. Three of them are taken to be interrogated and all of them are released too. They all have, you know, alibis, witnesses, that sort of thing that place them not in the area. So that doesn't actually help. The mm. following day, uh, bloodhounds are brought in and they, you know, sniff all around the house they catch a trail. They lead the police to um, sort of an area a little ways away where it is believed the killer probably stashed his car. He manages to avoid the roadblocks somehow. He got away. Like, I, I think he probably just was fast enough that they didn't have them set up yet. Yeah, he probably fucked off right yeah. when she was running. There was also a flashlight found outside the window where the killer shot Virgil. No fingerprints on it, though. Fucker was probably wearing gloves if he was smart. 
This is a man who has committed two other murders, like four murders total, but two oh other incidents. Does he have fingers? I'm sorry, Em. He just doesn't have fingers. Is that yeah. what you? Okay. Yeah, he shot. He shot him with his tongue. He shot him with his tongue. Yeah, his little toesies. Yeah. <laughs> Phantom killer. No arms, actually. <laughs> so every time you say Phantom Killer, my brain goes to Minecraft uh, of oh. the Phantoms. Oh. Like, because, oh, yeah, you play in, like, Peaceful. I, I do, and I also play old version that I don't know if there are Phantoms in. So when you don't sleep for, like, three days, these, like, flying manta rays come for you? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I'll show you a picture later. Yeah, I would never. <laughs> Every single time you say Phantom, I am thinking of Minecraft. <laughs> And I keep thinking of the Phantom Menace. That's very funny. Fair. Um, so I do want to mention that it is not proven fact that the murder of Virgil and attempted murder of Katie was actually perpetrated by the Phantom Killer. There is, like, the M.O. is different, for one thing. Right. Like, they're murdered in their house. These aren't new lovers. These are older lovers. Right. These are not teenagers. They right. were also not shot. They learned later, you know, from Virgil and finding the bullets within the home, um, that they were not shot with a, a thirty-two caliber bu- mm. bullet. They were shot, actually, with a twenty-two caliber. Smaller gun. Yep. And the fact that they also, there are only two bullet holes in the window, but four shots were, sh- were fired because Virgil was shot twice and Katie was shot twice. That led them to believe they had a, a semi-automatic or an automatic on their hands because you shoot fast enough that you only create one hole. So there's one hole for Virgil and one hole for Katie. So that's a, just a different gun and a different way of shooting people. So, whoa, yeah, it's an interesting thought. But at the time, it truly did not matter if this was the same guy or not because everyone was already afraid of the Phantom Killer and this was another couple shot and it didn't matter like whether it was different or not yeah everyone was on high alert for the exact same guy and like, regardless who knows maybe he saw them like at the <clears> grocery <throat> store like being cute right. together yeah and decided to expand yeah and he, clearly maybe he was he thought he could rob the house maybe clearly he was escalating and right. clearly he was in, he was interested in robbing he robbed everybody that he could right but it's true like he had a different thing going on each time and it was worse each time so it could have just been him escalating. Right. But there's not enough to go on to say for sure that this is the same person or not. Right. So I will say, like, this is on a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode because this is not a solved set of murders, obviously. Yeah. Nobody we didn't have any of the standards. I mean, Mm-mm. the golden age of serial killers is the 70s for a reason because, like, there was Even still then. no yep. connected way of tracking anything. Yeah. And they didn't have the real term serial killer until much later so it's right. like they don't know what's happening no. here they don't know why like they've got no profile they everything they do is on paper you know they're using like typewriters for shit and punch cards yeah to keep track of real data <laughs> like it's right. tough um I wonder police if works like, a lot harder i wonder if there's theories out there because i don't remember when the first crime is attributed to the zodiac killer you know in a thing he did kill couples it was I want to say I thought that was the 60s but I think that was mentioned in one thing I read that like it's a similar MO yeah and so some people have said 
what if this was really early Zodiac? Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, there's no specific evidence for that. That's oh, just kind yep. of a fun little thing. Yep. There's lots of Reddit pages for it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's so, I mean, you could look at so many things yes. where it's like, this is early you Zodiac. Could look, you could look Fuck at off. so many different killers <clears throat> and be like, wow. What if, it, what if it was Zodiac? Yeah. Yeah. Every time. Like, that'd be really fascinating, but probably not. Yeah. Who knows? There were, however, a couple of theories. Now, these are the two that I found the most interesting, and but there were a lot of people brought in for questioning, a lot of people they investigated for a long time before ultimately having to admit that this did not make sense. So the first one, his name he went by HB, but uh, his nickname was Duty, so we're going to call him that. Duty. Duty Tennyson. Howdy um, Duty. Howdy Duty. Uh, not good, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. So this Aww. young man, unfortunately, yeah. He took his own life two and a half years after the murders, and he admitted to some of the murders in his suicide note. Part of it read, why did I take my own life? Well, when you commit two double murders, you would too. And then he literally says, like, yeah, I, I, I committed these murders, specifically named the victims. Apparently, Duty also had connections to the victims. He worked at the movie theater. Uh... He... Apparently, he was friends with somebody who lived in Katie Stark's sister's home, the home across the street. Uh, but the thing is, a lot of this is hearsay. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of garbo. We don't really well, know for sure. you can't really prove anything when they're dead. Right. Exactly. He's a already lot of gone. make a lot of claims and suicide notes and things. Exactly. They even said, so like, his, they talked to his family and his friends and they said, look, Duty had a pretty active imagination and he liked to tell stories. This feels like something he would have done just to be like, ha ha, here's my last joke on everybody. Dear God. Yeah. What they, a horrifyingly bad joke. Yeah, I know. It's pretty awful, but people Don't have done worse. Don't be comedian, boo-boo. For real. People have done very similar things. And yeah. It's tough. It's not good. No. His family also told police that he didn't have access to the weapons that were used. To mm. get, like, how would he have gotten them? He himself was like 17 years old. Um, and none of Tennyson's fingerprints proved a match from any of the crime scenes. So, I mean, yeah, obviously. So he was really just trying to take credit yeah. for. Right. Finally, the real nail in this coffin. No, no pun intended, Duty. Oh. So sorry. Um, one of Duty's friends provided an alibi for the night of Virgil's murder. And that was the one of the ones that he admitted to specifically in the letter. So. Oh. Nope. Oh. Now, That's not him. Yeah. The other very interesting thought, but maybe not correct either, is um, a man named Ewell Lee Sweeney. It's It might be U-L, because it's not spelled like Ewell. Mm. It's like, it's literally like Y-O-U-E-L-L. Um, so police staked out a stolen car they'd found abandoned, because they believed that the Phantom Killer had always stolen a car prior to the crimes. There was always some sort of, like, that same night a car was stolen, and Makes then sense. they'd find it later. Makes sense. Yeah. Actually, a pretty decent thing to do. Right. Um, a girl named Peggy Sweeney approached that stolen car. And Peggy. Um, she was there during the stakeout, so they were like, hey, what are you doing near this stolen vehicle? And they took her in for questioning. She is new newly married, it turns out, literally hours before they took her in to a man named Ewell, Ewell Lee Sweeney. Peggy admitted to the murders of Betty Joe and Paul, but even though her stories were detailed, they were not consistent. So at first, she was nowhere near the crimes when they happened. She said her husband, like they were in the car together, her husband said he had to get out to take a leak and he was gone for an hour. 
And when he came back, he was covered from the knees down in like mud and water. And he would not tell her what happened. And then later she told a completely different story about having actually been present for the murders of Paul and Betty Jo. Um, where he was like, I'm going to go rob this couple. And then uh, she wouldn't participate in the robbery. He got mad and shot Paul. Then he took Betty Jo out into the woods and tried to make it with her. And then she fought him, so he shot her too. And apparently, like, this this woman, Peggy, is admitting to being party to all of this. Dear God. But her story keeps changing about the exact same set of murders. The third time she is asked to tell her story, she says that she and UL just happened upon the bodies already dead while in the park and they ran away because they didn't want to be associated. So she doesn't make any sense. She's doing okay. a lot of weird shit. Okay. Maybe just like a bit of a, uh, uh, like a, I don't know, light stealer. She's just trying to have yeah, her she moment. She just wants to hold on to uh, the drama and be peripherally attached. Right. Where it's not enough to be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah we no, got you. You're fucked up. We've yeah. got you. But people are paying attention to her for yeah. a while and people like that. Yeah. But the, her her stories were just detailed enough that they had to actually investigate. Yeah. Like, she knew some things maybe not. They like she their due diligence. Shouldn't have known. Yeah. yeah. So this was still enough that they tried. I can't even believe this. They tried to give you a truth serum. Oh, no. Because we thought that was a thing. Yeah. Then. The like barbitol. Mm-hmm. Sodium barbitol or something. Sodium barbitol. Yeah. Uh, you can give someone too much, however. And he was given too much and he did pass out. Oh. And they didn't try again. Um. There was no evidence at the crime scenes linking UL either. And his wife was labeled an unreliable witness after so many different stories. I mean, stories. that's the fucking way to do it. Uh-huh. Admit to shit and then change your story. Yeah, and then for admit real. to other shit and then change your story. Right. If they really did do it. Yeah. Good for Holy her. Holy shit. She, she did it actually probably the right way. Right. And then they fu- they just fucked up everything with actual the actual perpetrator possibly of the crime. ACAB. Yeah. Yeah, for real. <laughs> there was another cop who was like, I can't, we should have never taken him to that other place to get the fucking sodium barbital because he should have just stayed here. And if we had just interrogated him like normal, he might have talked. Right. But also, again, they found no, cor- like no real concrete evidence that he is the real guy. Um, they, they also like, because they were married literally hours before Peggy was picked up, she couldn't testify against yep. him and wouldn't. Yep, yep, she yep. would. She later recanted uh-huh. everything she said. And she could. Uh-huh. Um, so eventually, UL is taken to prison for repeated car thefts. They are able to prove that he is a car thief, but not for the phantom murders. So there were others investigated, but no one was ever indicted, let alone convicted of the crimes. They could never even bring shit to trial. They never had enough. Sheriff W.E. Davis would later <coughs> tell the press... This killer is the luckiest person I have ever known. No one sees him, hears him in time, or can identify him in any way. They have nothing. And basically, that's the story. As I said, like, our sweet Katie, all I know is she made a recovery. I don't know how full. I don't know, like, the trouble she had. Remarried. Right? She did get remarried to a man named Jerome Sutton. I was actually able to find, like, (laughs) there's, like, websites that will help you find a grave. Yeah. So you can find her grave and she's she goes by Katie Starks Sutton and that and she's buried next to her remarried husband. So I hope she lived a nice life afterward. Yeah. 
quiet life. Exactly. She might have just been one of those people that didn't really feel like being a part of the press after she recovered. So, yeah, I hope it was nice. And, um, yeah, that is the unsolved mystery. It's a phantom killer. Phantom killer. I just thought she was a She was a badass. Oh, my God. Well, um, I don't know if we should end the episode yet. Nope, because it hasn't synced yet, so I don't think. Do you want to pause for a second uh-huh. and just see? I want to refill my drink. Yeah. I need to get into um, a comfortable position Absolutely. to do a 10-minute power a hour. A 10-minute power hour. Game Grumps. I was going to say, that's yep. what Game Grumps do. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay, this also, if the other harp noise isn't a thing, then this is our harp noise. <laughs> Did you like that? Was that good enough? That was good. <laughs> Hi, we're back. Okay. We have a pre-mixed margarita mix courtesy of our friend Michelle. Thanks, Michelle. We're about to do a roughly 10-minute, hopefully, power hour of the story of, of a 45-minute story. Of a 45-minute goddamn story. Okay. All right. Adolf Sachs. First of all, we're drinking every time you say Sachs. So oh, shit. Okay. Take a drink. <laughs> Born 1814. Both his parents were musicians and creators <laughs> of instruments. Yes. Very impressive. Incredible. He was born in Belgium, which was formerly Dinant. Not Dinant anymore. It is now Belgium. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Childhood. He def- definitely, like... Grew up around instruments. His parents, like, helped change the design of the French horn. But he almost died a whole bunch. (laughs) First thing, (laughs) fell down three flights of stairs and hit his head at the bottom. Was maybe in a coma for a week? Nobody knows. And he was three years old. Three years old. And then he swallowed a large needle and it passed without incident. And then he also swallowed things that he thought was milk, but it was really, like, arsenic and some other shit. Not (laughs) great for your body. He then fell onto a burning stove. How klutzy of him. (laughs) Hella burned. And then... He uh, got hit in the head by, like, a falling cobblestone or tire tile and fell into the river and almost drowned, but was saved by a villager. Point is, this guy should be dead. Should by be like dead, 12. but wait, we're not done yet. <laughs> and then he almost got blown up when a container of gunpowder exploded in his father's workshop and he was standing next to it. Hot damn. <laughs> and then he did the thing <laughs> that you're not supposed to do. And there's a reason that they say you should uh, have it well ventilated when varnishing anything because he accidentally um, poisoned and asphyxiated himself from sleeping in a room with varnished furniture that was drying. Wow. Now, all of these left his mother being like, yeah, no, he's fucked. That's it. That No. <laughs> Even his own mom. His own mother was like, he was condemned to misfortune. He's not going to live. And the town called him the ghost child from Dinant. Now, <laughs> this bad. All bad. All bad. All bad. bad but stuff. he was like, no, fuck this. I'm a prodigy. What up? He knew it on the inside. He was learning how to make instruments. He was living his best life. He used ivory, which is very illegal now. It wasn't then. He didn't know. No one cared about elephants and rhinoceros. Yeah. That's fine, I guess. Whatever. He made a clarinet and two flutes from ivory, which was something considered impossible. And everybody's like, oh, prodigy. Incredible. And he became so adept that when he went to the Belgian National Exhibition for a competition, they told him they couldn't give him the gold because it would basically ruin everything for the rest of his life because he would peak too early. <laughs> and we all know how men are about peaking too early. Right. Like, in a way, I understand, but it's also kind of bullshit. Clearly, so, he should have won. By the age of 27, he still hadn't gotten the gold. 
And he was like, wow, I am too young for the gold medal. I am now too old for the silver. Fuck you. I'm out. Peace, bitch. And he, like, at this point created the saxophone, hence the name sax. And we'll be taking a drink. I've been taking drinks in between because oh. I don't care anymore. Mmm. And he did a whole bunch of things. I went into, like, the, the history of it. And, like, Berlioz is a composer of operas. It was like, oh, yay, good job. I want to do this with you. <laughs> and I will have you... Uh, create a thing and we will take your saxophone except like the smaller version of like this horn thing that you made and I will take one of my pieces and they will perform it with all horn pieces and oh my god the ones would be great and it was beautiful c'est bon c'est bon c'est bon <laughs> and also you blah, said blah, saxophone blah. just saying <laughs> blah 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 fugal horn blah 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 euphonium <laughs> <laughs> you can't blah 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 euphonium you either did not mention it <laughs> no because he made like the sax tuba and the saxophone and no you didn't make the saxophone (laughs) (laughs) not yet right and like the sax horn which laid groundwork for the euphonium it's a whole thing it's a whole thing basically he's a groundbreaker yeah he's a groundbreaker he's amazing he's incredible with valved brass instruments (laughs) so specific but yeah everybody needs a thing word spread quickly that like wow new sax horns wow amazing (laughs) and his father had worked for the belgium military and making instruments he's like wow i could do this in france now we are post revolution in france marie antoinette is dead things are not great things aren't great napoleon came and went that didn't that end was well. not good no <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was pretty, that wasn't great for the republic of if france I recall. Yeah. uh king louis philippe is in charge now so sax drink mm. already doing it babe <laughs> it's like 1840 i'm gonna i'm gonna get a contract with the military i'm gonna make instruments for them because nobody loves a military band more than the military absolutely make that money get that yeah. skrill so he wanted to create a whole new range of instruments for military drills. So there was a big competition and there was a band with like the normal old instruments, probably a harpsichord was in there. I don't know. It was like 1840s. Right. Harpsichords were big. And then there was the band with like all of his saxophone instruments and like different sax, saxophracks. You said it three times. So. <laughs> <laughs> he like did the whole thing and he got the contract and everyone was like great except 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 not everyone was like great because there were people who were also competing for that contract who didn't get that contract who were probably part of like that original band with those instruments of being oh, like yeah. hey do you like these these are like the sounds that you hear you yeah you've heard these ones yeah. before do you and like them saxophone was like ooh spicy yeah like oh that's new shit that's that yeah. new shit that's are you on that sound. new and that good so these people were pissed because they didn't get the military contract. Right. Like our man sex. And they decided to fuck him up. But not directly yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they decided to try and fuck him legally. I'm sorry. They were like the anti-sax club or what did, What were we calling them? I think we were calling them the anti-sax club. By the end, I think we were calling them the cucks. Yes. <laughs> because the they The pro-cuck club. The pro-cucks anti-sax yes. club. Um, which was the United Association of Instrument Makers, l'Association Générale d'Ouvrir Instruments de Musique. Which is a bullshit name for We Don't Like it's This Guy. It's a very guy. pretty name for We Don't Like This Guy. Yeah. And they took all the, like, talented and prominent instrument makers in France and then 
excluded Sax. Even though he's, like, the best one. Right. And they really just wanted to destroy everything that he stood for and everything that he tried to do. And tried to tie him up in legal fights. So they tried to take a patent application on his saxophone and say that it was, like, the instrument wasn't real. Even though he, like, played it behind a curtain because he didn't want people to see it. Well, he's worried then, about the patents. Yeah, because he was people worried about the patents, stuff. but he wanted people to hear it. So he produced the instrument and was like, yep, this is it. And they're like, well, ugh, it doesn't work. And then he played it and they're like, well, um, it actually has existed for years and he's really just stolen this from other cultures and how dare he. That's actually my favorite part of the story is that the, they're like, he stole it from all these other manufacturers. Look. Yeah. But what did they really do? But really, they <laughs> they bought his saxophone. So they gave him money. This is my favorite part. Took his saxophone, shipped it out to different manufacturers around the world, had them take off his logo and slap their own on it and then send it back to them so they could take it to court and be like, wow, look at all these things. Wow. Other people have been making the saxophone forever. Like, the most low-key psychotic <laughs> shit I've ever right. heard. So, like... They were figured out. Like, that's... It's... It's yeah. obvious. <laughs> the saxophone at this time was very fucking new. And they all probably looked exactly the same. Yeah, it's literally the same. And probably, like, it's... all the same brass. You'd think if everybody had been making it all across the world, they wouldn't look precisely right. the same. <laughs> so, the court's like, haha, no. Y'all are so dumb. So, <laughs> they tried again. They're like, well, he's been playing it in public. So, obviously, it's no longer eligible for a patent. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> So at this point, Sax was like, you know what? I will give you guys a year to try and figure out how to fucking do this. Like, I will revoke and withdraw my patent application right now to let you guys have a year to figure this the fuck out. Mm -hmm. They all tried. Nobody could do it. And then he resubmitted his patent application in a year and it was granted. Now... I wish this was the end of it because it's not. They then tried to set his warehouse on fire and his yeah. factory on fire. And then they tried to kill him. <laughs> but they accidentally, like, this assassin fired a pistol at one of his assistants thinking that it was him. And everyone thinks that the United Association of Instrument Makers was behind this. Because musicians are fucking ruthless. It seems like it. This is a very ruthless There's, like, time no to be scenes. in. It, they are. Yeah. And they still are to this day. <laughs> like, you don't fuck with somebody's instrument. Attempting to assassinate, though, is, like, such a uniquely sort of that time when, like, right. we're not really investigating that. We're not going to, How would we? Right. So, <laughs> shit ain't great in France. So, King Louis-Philippe is like, I gotta go. Bye. I don't want to die. Eighteen <laughs> set up in the main courtyard. I gotta go. They're threatening me with Peace. Plinko. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our Plinko our jokes. Plinko. I can't believe our Plinko joke is gone. Anyway. <laughs> so a lot of shit goes wrong. A lot of Saxes. High placed friends are gone because like they're also on the chopping block. Like right. literally. They gotta they're like, the we gotta out. we gotta go. We've seen it we happen before. We must leave. We turn against the organizers of the first revolution. We are gearing up for a second revolution where we're gonna kill the organizers oh, of no. the first revolution. Yeah, we got we got too rich and powerful. Yes. <laughs> the philosophers aren't philosophizing anymore. They're running. We gotta go. Everyone's too rich. Peace. Except for the people who aren't too rich who now want to kill those who are too rich. <laughs> Don't it always seem society to is fucked up. Mm -hmm. So he's on his own now, and the United Association of Instrument Instrument Makers. You cannot say that fast. You we're can't. like fuck it. We're going all in, all the chips in, mm. all the head chips in. <laughs> and they tried to get his patents for the bugles that he made, um, 
the sax trombona as it was. And the patent for his saxophone squashed and to try and end his contract with the military. Just to destroy just him. Just to absolutely destroy Entirely. Him. Everything he has going for him, really. So they couldn't squash the saxophone patent, but they were able to fuck him up on everything else and took him into a five-year legal battle. Which will ruin you, would ruin anybody financially, always. And he, after five years, was finally able to get his patents reinstated, and the association was forced to pay damages because this was a waste of everybody's time for five fucking years. For real. And his business was very negatively impacted. Um, So, 1852, he found himself fully financially ruined because legal troubles are expensive. True. But his final downfall came because somebody was trying to be, like, nice to him, but they didn't put anything in writing. As a note, if you get a loan or something given to you as a gift, get it fucking in writing. Absolutely every time. Because he was given 30,000 francs, and it was enough to keep his factory afloat and keep him going. Um, He'd lost his military contract, but, like, this would be enough to, like, keep him making saxophones. Mm -hmm. And... That person died and nothing was in writing and his heirs were like, hey, we want that money. Give me that money, please. (laughs) Money, please. Money, please. (laughs) And they gave him 24 hours to come up with 30,000 francs, which (laughs) is a lot. So he ran to London (laughs) thinking that was going to save him. It didn't. And he had to declare bankruptcy. Honestly, that's what I would have done, too. Right. And then closed down his factory. And because, like, that's not enough he then also like started getting cancer in his lip but oh my like, god no <laughs> i'm yeah, so i forgot, forgot about, about the fucking cancer yeah. in his goddamn lip so <laughs> he got a black growth on his lip that continued to grow and by the point of like 1859 it had grown to such a size that he couldn't eat or drink properly <laughs> and then he uh, became appointed by napoleon the third as like a musician instrument maker while he's got a big to, old lip tumor yeah, to the household troops of the emperor regular yeah regular <laughs> and his son had died oh that's right at oh, the age charles. of two charles yeah why do i remember so much of but this <laughs> i know because it was very memorable because it was two seconds ago <laughs> yeah. so he could have had really 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 dangerous surgery because any surgery in the 19th century was really fucking dangerous. risky AF. and they were like let's take that tumor out we don't know what a tumor yeah, is we're gonna or where both it is take the tumor out and part of your lip and part of your jaw and just like that lower half well, of your face he wouldn't have been able to play an instrument right. i just realized anymore right. that would have been over but instead he chose like this homeopathic thing by a native doctor named Rees, who gave him some sort of concoction and then like within like six months it started shrinking. This piece of shit had the cure for cancer. Right. And he kept it to himself. Right. <laughs> it got smaller and then it disappeared completely. <laughs> so he tried to carry on as best he could, continued to like make instruments and try to impress the world and fight his legal battles with the United Association of Instrument Makers, who continued to attempt to thwart him uh, until and like tried to profit off of his work after his patents expired because as as you may know or may not know, patents expire. You have to renew them, and it's a whole fucking process. Mm-hmm. But th- So he let some of his patents expire because yep. he had several, I'm sure. And he probably was in various legal battles for a while and, and the wasn't United- financially in a place to do it. Right. The United Association of Cucks then came in and started immediately selling right. Right. whatever they could as soon as right. the patent expired. Yes. So at this point, he's 72. He's destitute. He spent all his money on fights and... He tries to make an appeal to the public. Well, that doesn't really work, but it worked for musicians and composers that had really grown to appreciate the work that he's done. 
these musicians and composers were like, hey, he deserves a pension. He contributed so much to French music and music in general around the world. Mm. He should live comfortably. And he did. He got his pension and he got to live out the last, like, seven years of his life with a pension. Um, He also created other things, including the Saxo Cannon, (laughs) which is why I think there was gunpowder, because I feel like his dad probably also did the same fucking thing. Because they were constantly at war. Yeah, was his dad also attempting to make a weapon at the time? Right, so... They created the Saxo Cannon, which was a device that could launch a 500-ton, 11-yard-wide mortar bullet. So ridiculous, dude. And then he he designed a massive organ that was intent to be built on a hillside near Paris so that it could be heard by anyone throughout the city clearly when it was played. I don't think that ever came to fruition. Last time I was in Paris, I don't remember hearing organs. Right. That would have been epic, though. That would, yeah. would have been amazing. But, right. um, so he passed away at the age of 79 in 1894 and was buried in Montmartre. And honestly, I'm just glad that, like, in the end, he got his pension because right. he was recognized by the musical community for his contributions. Yes. And he didn't die fucking destitute, which is what the goddamn Association of right. Assholes wanted. And of the 14 different types that he invented, there are four types that are still in widespread use today. Um, in pitch order, they are from high to low, the B-flat soprano, the E-flat alto, the B-flat tenor, and the B-flat baritone. Yeah, you've probably heard of most of those. There are yes. soprano saxophones, alto sax, like everybody's... And I believe, I don't know, maybe like the tenor sax, I think, might be like the most commonly used. I, I feel like if you picture a saxophone, one of the it's either the alto or the tenor, right. I would guess. Because the soprano sax is quite small. Yeah. And the baritone, the baritone sax is huge. Yeah. I actually think I've seen a bass saxophone. Oh, yeah. No, they're, like, they're like common. giant. So, all right. Huge. So, it looks like the most popular is the alto sax. Alto sax. Okay. That's the but one you the see. The tenor kids is playing. the one that you see probably a lot too. Okay. But, like, alto, I think, is what gets used a lot in, like, jazz. Okay. Yeah. It's a complicated thing that no one had quite thought of that right. exact type of deal before. And right. nothing sounds like a saxophone. He also, nothing like, does. repositioned the buttons on, like, the clarinet. Oh, yeah. And made that sound better. Basically, So you can thank him for, like, the clarinet and the saxophone and, yeah. like, the flute, basically. He huge also, innovator. like, fixed some shit on the flute. Yeah. And his, and his parents fixed the French horn. Yeah. So um, his family is basically the reason why bands and orchestras sound the way they do. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. And that is my 10-minute power hour recap of Adolf Sax. Thank you so much. Adolf Sax de- deserves better than that. <sighs> and we are. so does. And I hope it sinks and we don't need this. Yeah, me too. But at the same time, look, at least you got to tell the story if yeah. it doesn't. Because it sucks. It would have sucked even more if you never got to tell it. And yeah. we just, like, let it go. Because it is a very interesting story. I feel like he needs some sort of Amadeus-like movie. Like, yeah. somewhere that sits right in the middle of Amadeus and, like, Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah. Is the movie about this man. Right. And I, I would watch they the paint shit. the association out to be as much of a piece of shit They're as the they main were. villain of that yeah. movie. They are destroying Absolutely. him at every turn. Fuck yes. them. Yeah. So, and I did do some Googling when we recorded this the first time. I couldn't find anything of the association still being active so we hope because like i'm sure when he died they're like oh we don't need to do this (laughs) literally i think that they were just pretending that they were the united association of fucking anything they were the united association of wanting to like kill this guy's career yeah that's it look i i can be a vindictive bitch when i need to be but like but for 40 years that's a level that's a lot 
We don't need that. In the I world. haven't made a whole organization to basically fuck somebody else over and in we, a while. So, well, I mean, in a while, in a bit, in a like a hot <laughs> in, minute. In a hot it's not minute. since the panini. Yeah. Part. yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I think like we said this kind of before, but like if you give a shit about the thing you're working, if you give a shit about music yes. and art, you should not be trying to tear down the people who are good at continuing the progression of music and art. You should oh. not be trying to destroy them. But you don't really care, do you? You also, care about your own name and money. Like, mm. you don't need to shit on other people because you thought you could do it better. If you think you can do it better, then do it. Like, the point, again, like any type of community art-making thing, if you care about the art, you should be propping it up and not yeah. destroying the people who are doing it. Right. And attempting to make it better. Right. Yeah. And this poor guy was, like, literally persecuted. And, like, <laughs> look, I get it. I get it. That's the whole reason I got into theater. Mm. Because I saw somebody do it and was like, I could do it better. That's, yeah, that's motivational. But I didn't tear them down for their performance. I didn't right. tear them down for what they did. I just then got into the industry. Right. Yeah. I If the people who had lost that military contract had just been like, all right, I'm going to use this to become better. Right. Because I, I fell short of him. That doesn't mean I need to destroy him for the rest of my life and make my entire life about that because clearly that's what they did right i need to search inside myself and Find figure out jesus. how to make myself better <laughs> come to jesus in perhaps even a secular sense <laughs> <laughs> come to opera jesus come to opera jesus and just get better at make, doing my own shit and not worry about him right just don't worry about other people yeah. it's yeah. stupid fuck the saxophone invent the kazoo invent the kazoo cowards <laughs> yeah, you fucking pussies. <laughs> you fucking pussies out there. Not even music association. You can't even invent the kazoo. Makers. <laughs> Bitches, you probably didn't even think about the kazoo. Bitches can't even invent the recorder. <laughs> no. He fixed your buttons, the drilled in holes on your piece of wood. Y'all out here making flawed, janky ass instruments. And yeah. he's out here telling you how to do it right. And you're right. mad. You're mad. And look. <laughs> There are some applications of the recorder that I support. The Jurassic Park theme. Only. Yes. Oh, I also support. Yes. I also support if you play the John Cena's theme out of both of your nostrils. Yes. (laughs) That's it. On either recorder or kazoo. That's actually the only time you're ever allowed to play either of those. Correct. (laughs) But dear God. We need to end the podcast. We need to end the fucking podcast. Honestly, I don't know how, like, if we do get the original stuff back, how I'm going to splice the end of the episode in. I don't even want to fucking try and recover it. Like, if it comes back, we can save it for a best of, and they can actually hear the real audio. Because at this point- That sounds great. At this point, here we are. I did most of that from memory, and it needs to just stay. This is it. It was hype. It was hype, for sure. So, here we are. We've- done our best we apologize for the weird bullshit i mean i'm sure you've listened to a podcast that has lost audio before i can't believe this is actually kind of our first time where that's happened (laughs) uh, in such a holistic way um karma but you know what you done did it it's karma you told the story again and uh, people should walk away remembering mr sax yeah and now i want cheesy hash browns in my theater makeup at 2 a.m. at uh, Denny's. So specific. Yeah. But you're right, actually. Yeah. I need I need to have, like, the theater makeup crusting off of my face. Yeah. While I eat an egg. Makeup. Yeah. A moon's over my hammy. Yeah. Just, like, in my gross lipstick. Yep. <laughs> my stupid glitter that's yeah. falling. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, thank you guys for joining us so much. We do appreciate it. It was kind of a rough record, but in the end, I think that the chaos uh, reigned in yeah. hopefully a good way. Hopefully. Hopefully. I guess um, editor me will find out, and I'll, tell, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I'm just going to go to a real zen place about yeah, it. I do have my note ready for this, so you can say it. Yes! Fabulous! All right, I think you should be... I haven't said this lately, but I get I get kind of tired. And now, now I'm feeling pretty <laughs> awake. So <laughs> you should it's probably be... Exactly. You should probably be a little bit like Mr. Sachs. I mean, he's persevered. That's for sure. Yeah. And he didn't let... Like, he... He fought all his battles because he refused to lose, but he also kept inventing. So that's pretty impressive. Um, Katie Starks, you should be like her because she fought for her own life. She made split-second decisions. She got the fuck out of there. She got herself safe. I'm sorry she lost her husband, but she seems to have gone on to live a nice life. And you should be like her, too. So thank you once again. for. We will be here in another two weeks. And then another two weeks after that is the fucking Spooky Halloween episode. Mormon hell dreams. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So we will see you in a couple of weeks. And until then, please do not ever, 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 I swear to God, don't you ever forget your can of. This is a two-parter. Oh. Don't forget your can of nuts and bolts for your own personal security Absolutely. System. Hang that on your door. And don't forget your can of defiant jazz. Yes! <laughs> Watch Severance. Watch Severance. <laughs>